The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban. This Friday evening, very cold Friday evening on the 6th of December 2019. Corresponding to the 8th of Rabi Uthani 1441, a very, very wet evening, very windy evening. Hope all of you are safe. As usual, we are broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM and uh, nationally, as usual, we are broadcasting to and across our sister stations nationally on Sheffield Link FM uh, 96.7. So, Salaam Alaikum to people of Sheffield, Peterborough, Salaam. Derby, Nottingham. Assalamu alaikum to all of you from uh, the studios here in Luton. Uh, internationally, also nationally, uh, if you're in any of the other national uh, cities of the UK, then you can, of course, tune in via the Facebook stream, which is, of course, live every Friday, 6 pm to 8 pm, broadcasting live FNL across to our national listeners. And, of course, you can listen to us on the Inspire FM website or the app. Tune in, most importantly, join today's discussion, join today's conversation. Let me know what you think, what your thoughts are, and what your opinions are on any of the stories that we make covering tonight. And, of course, if there's a different story, you know, I've not said this previously, but if there is a different story that's caught your imagination, has caught your attention, and you want to comment and you want to raise an opinion about that, all right, and you want to highlight it to me, then 01582481822 is the number here in the studio to speak to me directly if you want to drop me an sms message or a whatsapp message then you can do that to 0779 0779481822 0779481822 and as, as i said i'm happy to hear from you if you've got an opinion if you've got an, if you've got on view or if you've heard or something else has caught your attention and we're not covering that tonight at Inspire FM on Friday Night Live. Right, so what's our lineup for this evening? We've got a couple of stories which I think might ca- catch your attention, which might catch your attention. They may have already well caught your attention because these did make uh, headlines throughout this week. Uh, so we're going to be covering a number of these stories. First and foremost, we're going to be talking about the Pakistan tycoon, right? Pakistan tycoon who is handing over $248 million. Now, this may have you know caught your attention. And if it hasn't, you know, a lot of you, a lot of my listeners are going to be from Pakistani backgrounds. And you're going to probably be raising your eyebrows and saying, no surprise, no surprise. A Pakistan tycoon will reveal who it was is, is due to hand over $248 million to settle a UK corruption probe. And that money is due to go back to Pakistan. Now, that is not news to you and me because we've known that the, in, that the uh, corruption in Pakistan and amongst Pakistani tycoons and a lot of these politicians is endemic, right? What is happening about it? What is different this time? We're going to be discussing that story. And this is a very, very popular, very, very famous individual. We're going to be discussing exactly who it is, right? 
I want your thoughts on, on that. I want your opinions on that because a lot of you from Pakistani backgrounds, you know, we that the country and a lot of these third world countries are ransacked by these corrupt politicians, businessmen. Right? We keep, we keep it generic. We keep it general. Right? It has it has to go into uh, go to court before you know there's a guilty verdict. Right? And even this particular account, right? Uh, apparently, due to the the the, the settlement uh, outside of the courts, we can't consider the, uh, the individual concerned guilty. But nevertheless, he's handing over 248 million dollars to settle a UK corruption prop. That's what we're going to be discussing as a lead story. We're going to also be covering a, a local story, and that's the Luton's Luton's Dart Bridge, right? Luton's Dart Bridge. A lot of you would have known, and a lot of you would have been impacted because of the road that a lot of our, you know, local uh, fellow committees used that was shut down for last weekend due to the bridge uh, that was going to be you know moved into position over the weekend that, that's a Luton's dark bridge right uh, so we're going to be discussing and we're going to be talking to the chief executive of the Luton council great result uh, Robin Porter and we're going to be discussing that with uh, Robin Porter and also we'll be discussing in terms of what is that dark bridge right some of you may not know may not know what 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 that bridge is going to be connecting and what is the the plans with regards to that bridge let's get let's get an update from the luton chief executive of council robin porter later on in addition to that a couple of other stories that we're going to be covering of course a further progress on the uyghur muslims of china and i'm i'm happy that we're covering this story alhamdulillah because you know what we need to give it some attention we need to follow the news uh, in terms of the fellow Muslims and, and their treatment in China or them, uh, their treatment uh, by the Chinese authorities and we know there's some horrific stories that are emanating from the leaks and from the reports that are coming out of uh, you know Xinjiang province in China so it's very important that we raise the awareness we follow the news and we try to make as much you know uh, we try to share as much information as possible because there's mass human rights violations of the Chinese Muslims, of the Uyghur Muslims going on by the Chinese authorities. So we're going to be covering that because the US House, right, has passed a bill with regards to the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. We're going to be discussing that. And then we're going to be also discussing a number of other news items across the, the two hours of the show this evening, inshallah. Ta'ala. Uh, so that's our lineup this evening. 01582 481822 I do want to speak to you this evening and I am actually giving you a choice that I've never given to you before if you want to comment on any of the story feel free to call in Right, so we are we are trying to get through to our guest on uh, to cover the the lead story, and that was uh, uh, who we're trying to get through through Zarar Zarar uh, Right, it's a bit of a difficult name there. Zarar Khukhro, we're trying to get through to, who's a journalist and a talk show host on Dawn News. So we're trying to get through to him at the moment. We haven't been able to get through to him at the moment, uh, but when we do, we'll speak to him directly from Pakistan. Now, what was the story that I was referring to earlier, right? So this is a, a, a news that is a, a news that emerged earlier this week uh, that Pakistan tycoon is to hand over 258, $248 million to settle a UK corruption probe. <clears throat> right. 
So those of you that are going to be wondering how much is $248 million, that's approximately, okay, approximately 140 to $150 million. Pounds. 140, even if it was 140 million pounds. Imagine, imagine 140 million pounds. And that is what we know. Right? That is what we know. That is what is on record. I mean, imagine the sorts of, uh, and the amounts of money that are being filtered, that are being channeled, that are being you know, extracted, taken out of Pakistan, of Bangladesh, of India, and some of the other third world countries, and coming into the capitals of Europe. Capitals of some of these, you know, uh, European countries, Western countries invested this dark black money that's been siphoned off from these poor countries and, you know, coming into these private bank accounts of these individuals sitting out here in the UK. Now, the story with regards to England, the story with regards to the UK specifically is not a new story. Even when we talk about Dubai, not a new story. It's been well known for a long, long, long time, right? Well known for a long time. In fact, Imran Khan, when he became prime minister, one of the items that he had on his agenda was to raise with the UK authorities that, hey, you know, all of this money is being you know, siphoned off and it has been siphoned on by the previous, you know, governments, previous administrations, and it's coming and heading into your capitals. And all of these funds are coming into your capitals, and a lot of this fund is being spent in the capitals on real estate, right? And very, very expensive real estate. And this, this, this money doesn't belong to these individuals, but it's illegal money that's been siphoned off, but from public funds through bribery, through corruption, through other you know, avenues, and this money ought to be given back. There should be a process of due diligence, there should be a process of investigation, and as a result of that investigation, there should be a means by which we can freeze the assets, freeze the accounts of these individuals, you know, put them under some investigation, and there should be a process to allow those funds to be given back to the country of origin where they've been stolen from, so that these individuals can stop being the beneficiaries of these millions and millions of pounds. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened in this particular case. Did you hear about this story? Have you read this story? Have you been following this story? I want to hear your thoughts, right? 01582481822. This is a this is a very, very interesting story because this involves, you know, I'm, I'm going to use this word. If you disagree with this word, let me know. Who, a, a fairly respectable individual. Right, a fairly, I'm, I'm going to call him respectable individual, and a lot of you might have other terminology for this individual. But Malik Riaz Hussein, right? Yes, he is a you know a multi-millionaire. Yes, he's a huge property tycoon, and he's the guy who's he's the guy who's responsible for this Bayria town, right? Bayria town. Any anyone who goes to Pakistan and visits Pakistan, Bayria town, Bayria town. You know, it's been you know it's been hot property. It's been the talk of the town. Right. For many, many years, many, many years. Right. And a lot of you would have invested money in Berea Town. Almost every you know, third, fourth person that you speak to, you know, with some money has invested some money in Berea Town. He's living in Berea Town. He's got some connection with Berea Town. Now, this is the chap. Right. This is the chap who owns right, Berea Town. Right. Berea Town. He owns these companies. 
Now he was told, right, uh, to give this money back to Pakistan via the UK, right, uh, via the UK, because he couldn't explain where this wealth has come from. Who he couldn't explain where this wealth has come from? Where has he acquired this wealth from? This hundred million pounds that is sitting in your bank accounts. Where have you got this money from, right? Where? What is the origin of this money? Couldn't explain it. Assets were frozen, and then out of court settlement, money is going back to Pakistan. Does that sound familiar, or is there any surprise? Surprise there, All right? Oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two. I still haven't heard from my listeners because this is this is normal, normal, you know, you know, normal, you know, reality for Pakistan. Uh, like I said, a lot of the Asian countries and a lot of the third world countries. I mean, look, I was just looking into it. I mean, it's not a surprise because even in the Karachi, they were back earlier this year. In March, uh, the Pakistan Supreme Court in March accepted an offer from the same individual, same individual, to pay 2.3 billion to settle cases over a Karachi development. Right? These are what you call. Okay, we can't. We can't officially. You know, label, but th- this is the kind of stuff that you hear in Pakistan all the time about Kabza cases, right? Kabza cases when the lands get taken over by these powerful individuals, by powerful corporates, right? Who have got connections in the judiciary, connections in the military, connections with politicians, connections with the authorities. Nothing you can do about it. Nothing that you can do about it. And there was this uh, this precise case earlier this year in March. Supreme Court of Pakistan accepted an offer of Bahiria Town PVT Limited, owned by Malik Riyaz, to settle cases pertaining to its Karachi Super Highway project in lieu of payment of 460 billion rupees. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Right? And here he is in the UK paying up, coughing up 200, almost 50 million USDs. Now, the question that comes to my mind is, right, if, 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 if this individual has, has nothing to hide, why is he paying such a large amount back to Pakistan and the Pakistani government and to the UK authorities? Right? If this is all legitimate, why not go to court and why not prove your case? Why not have your day in court when you can show the evidences and show where this money is coming from? But is it not the case that we have seen this with previous politicians, whether it's Mr. Zardari, 10%, 5%, 1%, whatever he is well known to be? Whether it's the Benazir Bhutto government, whether it's the Nawaz Sharif government, whether it's the PTI government, are we not familiar with these stories again and again and again? And I want to hear from the diaspora who's sitting in the UK, sitting across Europe from Pakistan, 01582-481-822-0779-481-822. Are we not sick of this? Are we not sick of this? Millions of pounds. I mean, you know, Nawaz Sharif recently came over from Pakistan, you know, because he's, uh, he's very ill. He's come over here to seek treatment. And what do we see? We see demonstrations outside the elite apartments, the elite residences in the most expensive of places in London, right? And you know, Nare of you know, I can't remember exactly what the Nara was, but you know, you know, some you know, words to that extent, right? Uh, humiliating, humiliating. But these people don't have a conscience, right? They don't have a conscience. Now, let's go back to the story that we're discussing here. 
whilst we're trying to get through to uh, the journalist and the talk show host of Dawn News, Zarar Khuro, uh, to get a, you know get his opinion on this particular matter, right? Uh, but anyway, the UK's National Crime Agency says assets and cash frozen in the country will be handed over to Pakistani government, right? Which has been, it's been, this is cash. These are assets that were frozen in the UK to be handed over to the Pakistani government. Now, this tycoon, Malik Riaz Hussain, and it's incredible, isn't it? Because, I mean, he's a very, very popular individual, very well known, like I said, right? Uh, and you know, you know, has agreed to hand over 190 million pounds, approximately 248 million dollars, held in the United Kingdom to settle a corruption investigation. Now, look at, listen to some of the details here. Nine freezing orders were secured against Malik Riaz Hussain in what was dubbed as dirty money investigation. Dirty money investigation. The National you know, uh, Crime Agency investigation has secured these nine freezing orders, right? It covered the 140 million uh, in cash in funds held in UK banking accounts after the allegations that the cash may have been the proceeds of crime. May have been the proceeds of crime. And like I said to you, a lot of these capitals in Europe, a lot of the capitals in some of the Gulf states, Right, a lot of the capitals, you know, of of, of you know, and and some of the, a lot of the states in in the U.S. are the recipients of this illegal and ill-gotten cash that is then invested into real estate, is put into these bank accounts, put into these offshore accounts as investments for their fa- for these corrupt individuals and their politicians and their families and for their next younger generation. Whilst the people, the native people, you know, are, you know, back home, you know, subject to severe austerity measures and, you know, you know, cut in public spending, increased taxation and life is absolutely miserable for the for the people back home whilst they've got hundreds of millions of pounds stashed away in these overseas accounts. Now, this was very, very popular back in the 80s and the 90s at least the 80s, when you would have the Swiss bank accounts, right? And you could literally go to Switzerland and open up a bank account. And there's still a lot of countries where you can still do that today, although they they have clamped down upon it. But in, in short, what you could do is you could go to Switzerland, some of these other uh, countries, and you can go open up a bank account. And if you're going to invest a certain amount of money, or if, if you're going to put a certain amount of money into your bank accounts, they'll open up a bank account, give you residency, give you all the you know facilities that you uh, you need, and wouldn't ask you any questions. And and you you could you know and, and and it would be completely private, and that was what attracted you know these in, corrupt individuals to go and you know squat you know, go and actually save and siphon off hundreds of millions of pounds of you know public funds for their own personal benefit, right? So that was historical, but of course since then it's been clamped down quite a lot. A lot of regulations come in. A lot of legislation has now demanded and requires, you know, uh, evidence in terms of where the funds are coming from, you know, how they've been acquired. You might have heard the famous story at the moment with regards to one of the wives of uh, a very famous uh, Azerbaijan businessman or is he a politician who was, you know, notorious. Uh, his wife was notorious for spending millions and millions and millions of pounds in herds, right, with all of these bank accounts. And she's also, you know, experiencing something similar where the National Crime Agency is investigating where all of those funds have come from. So UK is taking some steps, some would argue small steps 
in the right direction, but it's come after a very, very long time of severe bargain, severe lobbying by these native governments to ask this British government and ask these European governments to take you know accountability of these corrupt politicians. And of course, it's in the in these countries in their interest, isn't it, for all of this money to come in and it's all been you know invested into their capitals. I mean, wh- wh- why why would they need to investigate it, right? So you can imagine, you know, they've allowed this to linger on for as long as as long as possible, but now they're forced into a corner and they are taking some action, and we can see that anyway. In addition to the funds. Right, the Brit- uh, Britain's National Crime Agency uh, has also seized, right, uh, and it's also agreed to a settlement in which uh, which uh, Malik Riaz Hussein will hand over his property, one Hyde Park Place property. Now, this is the most expensive real estate, most expensive real estate. If I've if I've got this correct, in the UK, it's valued at fifty million pounds wow one Hyde Park place valued at currently valued at about 50 million pounds approximately 65 million dollars and who owns it Malik Riaz Hussein and surprise surprise you know send in your answers by SMS or WhatsApp who owned it previously before Malik Riaz Hussein that's the question who owned one Hyde Park place Right, a property, the most valuable property in the UK, currently valued at around 15 million pounds, is now been seized, or is going to be seized by the National Crimes Agency, right, uh, as a, as part of an out of court settlement between Malik Riaz Hussein, the UK authorities, and the Pakistani government. Uh, Malik Riaz Hussein is the current owner. The previous owner was, as you've guessed, Nawaz Sharif's son. Nawaz Sharif's son. So the ARU revealed that the property included in the settlement was sold to the Malik Riyaz Hussein's family <clears throat> by Hassan Nawaz for forty. What was it? What, what was the price that it was sold at? Well, it was sold for I think forty something million. Right? Don't quote me on that. But you can see what's happening here. Mal- Nawaz Sharif's son, Hassan Nawaz, owner of a property, One Hyde Park. Yeah, in One Hyde Park uh, place. Valued at 50 million pounds. You can see it's endemic. Endemic. Right? Endemic. Right? So we can see, I mean, uh, the incredible thing is, on Tuesday, Malik Riyaz Hussain, he tweeted, NCA press release says, the settlement is a civil matter and does not represent a finding of guilt. As I was saying earlier, does not represent a finding of guilt because it is a civil matter. It's been settled outside the court. And I, I am a, I am a proud Pakistani, and I will remain until I break and until I breathe my last. I've got no idea what that tweet is about, but that was the official tweet of Malik Riaz Hussain after the uh, settlement out of court settlement between uh, Malik Riaz, uh, the Pakistan uh, Pakistani government via the UK government and the national uh, the the national uh, crime agency. Hussain, of course, is a, a very very uh, famous. Uh, rich, one of the most richest and most powerful business, uh, businessmen of Pakistan, and as I said, one of the owners, the owner of the Bahia Town Complex, and uh, you know, real estate development in Pakistan. But the reality is, you know, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing endemic corruption. I mean, look, uh, the NAB, you know, previously announced that it's decided to seal 13 properties. This is the National Accountancy uh, Account uh, Accounting Bureau, right, uh, of Pakistan. It, it earlier, you know, you know, set, you know, decided to seal thirteen properties belonging to Shabash Sharif, his sons, 
his wives and their wives right uh, so this is incredible stuff it's not about an individual it's not about one person you know and one of the questions that i was going to ask my, my you know my panelists was you know is this a small step in the right direction is this one bad apple or is the whole tree corrupt whole tree corrupt and that is the nature of, of you know you know some people will argue this is the nature of democracy because when you look at america right you look at europe Look at these politicians, look at the political parties, look at the capitalists. They're pumping in millions of pounds into these individuals, into these, into these political parties for a particular agenda, for policy making, for guiding that policy. And that's what we're seeing. And, and in Pakistan, we see the same. So is there, one, is there a case of one banana apple? Or is it a case that the whole system and the whole tree is full of corruption and foul fruit? Is it an endemic problem in Asia? In West or Europe, politicians and businessmen, is it a problem in in the East or is it just a problem of, of West or is it a problem endemically, globally, wherever this system sits? Not the first time we see that these individuals are landing themselves at the centre of allegations of corruption, bribery. We all know, I mean, Malik Riyazi is well known to give gifts of land cruisers and very, very expensive cars and, you know, and homes. Right to 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 judicial members of judiciary, members of the political elite, members of the military, members of the the authorities, and so on and so forth. Why would he do that? All smells foul to me. But anyway, that was the lead story that we were covering on Friday Night Live, and that was the case of Malik Riaz's out of court settlement with the British authorities, with the Pakistani government, and the 150 million that he's agreed to pay back to the UK stroke Pakistan government and that was the leading story we're gonna we're gonna go into a commercial break when we come back hopefully we're gonna be able to speak to our second guest and that's gonna be the story that we're gonna be covering locally and that's the Luton's Dartbridge move which was a fantastic success over the weekend we're gonna be discussing to Robin Porter who's the chief executive of the Luton councils you are with me Hafiz Shaban on Friday Night Live on 105.1 FM 01582481822 it's 0779481822 we're going to go into commercial break we'll be back in a few minutes I hope to speak to you until then Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast Making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, on uh, live from the Inspire FM studios here in Luton on 105.1 FM. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. Uh, 0779481822 is the number for your SMS and your WhatsApp messages. Uh, first story, we uh, were covering the, the story of Malik Riaz Hassan bin, uh, or Malik Riaz Hussein, or sorry, rather, uh, agreeing an out of course settlement to hand back $248 million 
right, to settle the UK corruption problem, money going back to Pakistan. I want to, I want to hear from the Pakistani diaspora, right, in Luton, in the surrounding, you know, cities up and down the country, what their views are, and what their thoughts are on this particular case. But we are going to be moving on to the next story, and this is a, a local story to Luton and a very positive story, and that's with regards to Luton's Dar Bridge, right? Luton's Dar Bridge, a move which was a which was a fantastic success that the Luton County Council websites you know reads over the last weekend a lot of you who use this particular road the A1081 would have realized that that road of course was closed over the weekend because this a fairly impressive looking bridge has gone into place over the weekend so let, 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 let's speak to the what I believe is the, the new chief executive of the Luton Council Mr. Robin Porter and let's get a bit more of an update and a catch-up in terms of what's been happening uh, what this bridge is all about let's let's fill it let's get our local community filled up with, with the, the latest information let us progress on that and then let's speak to to robin porter from the luton uh, county council uh, robin uh, w- welcome to friday night live thank you very much for joining us this evening absolute pleasure to be here how are you fantastic not too bad thank you very much for your time this evening a great privilege is ours to to have you this evening uh and and, and as i was saying i mean the initial idea was to to have a quick catch-up and, and an update for our uh, local listenership with regards to you know what the council of course has deemed a, a fantastic success over the weekend with the with a moving in place of the of the dart bridge huge huge success yeah. um, for the for the full team um, and a real step forward, a really positive step forward for the town as well. Yeah. And the the Dart Bridge, as you said in your your brilliant intro, you know, it's really impressive structure. Yeah. Absolutely huge. It's over a thousand tons. Wow. Um, that's been moved down the hill from the the Holiday Inn roundabout, yeah. uh, and then lifted into into the place over the A1081. Yeah. Um, we had the roads closed for only two days. There are other places locally and that are putting in bridges where their roads have been closed for over six months. You know, it's wow. a hugely impressive yeah. feat from the, from the whole team. Yeah, no, no, fantastic. And, and as I say, I mean, any, anyone who's who's driven along that stretch of road uh, would have definitely seen that. I've, I've, I've even seen some of my friends actually put it onto their WhatsApp profile uh, profile messages, for, you know, which is great. Uh, but but it's, it's definitely a fantastic uh, success, as, as you say. Uh, and then, of course, it's great to see that. I mean, for a lot of our listeners, you know, some of them might not be familiar with what the Luton Dart is all, all about. Do you want to just give, give a quick explanation of what is that? Luton Dart Bridge uh, and what does Dart actually represent, uh, mean in itself? So, so Dart stands for Direct Air Rail Transit uh, and what we're looking to do uh, is put a uh, a transit, a mass passenger transit link in between London Luton Airport Parkway and the, the terminal which is 2.2 kilometres away at the top of the hill uh, mm. at the airport. Obviously, the link today is um, is facilitated by a bendy bus. Yeah. The, the bus joins the the carriageway, the main the main highway, yeah. uh, and bus, the buses get caught in traffic. Yeah. Um, which means that the the journey for passengers turning up in Luton by rail is really disjointed. And mm. um, mm. we're looking to massively increase the number of people turning up at the airport by rail, uh, and so. Hugely improving the journey and and the reliability of the journey and the comfort uh, and the experience. 
No. Um, it's a big, big project, a huge step forward, but we'll really reposition Luton Airport uh, amongst the, the London airports. Fantastic. It's going to mean oh. that passengers who are travelling from London, which is our biggest market, oh. uh, are going to be able to get from central London all the way to their gates in about 50 minutes. Wow. Uh, and as your listeners will rightly reflect you can spend more than 50 minutes walking across either Gatwick or Heathrow airports so to be able to get so quickly from central London will be a huge huge benefit for us Mm. the the dart shuttles um, are going to take about three three and a half minutes um, to go from uh, airport parkway up to the the top of the hill and even if you've just missed missed one of the darts the um the total journey time, including your weight, will be less than seven minutes. Wow. So a really, a really positive step forward for Luton, yeah, yeah. a really positive yeah. step forward for London Luton Airport, which yeah. is an asset owned by the whole of the community. Fantastic. Thank, thank you very much for, for that background information. I'm, I'm sure that would have been very useful for our listeners. And I, I would say uh, and encourage our listeners to actually you know, just type it in into Google. You know, we're, we're good at doing that. And, and just look at the, the videos also that are available uh, to see how, you know, what, what you know, just has been described uh, by, by Robin will actually, you know, look like, uh, you know, by, by what, what, what I, I imagine is, is still on track 2021. Is, is that correct, Robin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. We've got a great construction team um, using uh, using lots of uh, local local labour, which is really positive for us. Yeah. Um, and we're we're really excited about the difference that this is going to make. Currently, only sixteen mm. percent of our passengers turn up by rail. Now, yeah. everybody will know we're on the same train line as Gatwick. Yeah, um, but it's quicker to get from central London to Luton than it is to get from central London to Gatwick. Yeah. But over forty percent of Gatwick's passengers turn up by rail because it's a seamless journey. So yeah. that's yeah. what we're looking to do: yeah. create that seamless customer experience, improve um, the whole experience for for passengers um, coming not just from London but from the north as well, and and mm. from mm. Uh, from the Luton stations. Um, to really, really revolutionise our offer. Fantastic. Yep, De- definitely agree with that, Robin. Thank you very much for the, for, for the update on, on that particular issue. We've, we've, I guess we've got a couple of more minutes of your, of your time, and I know you're a very busy in, in individual, and, and it is Friday evening too, uh, I, can, I can imagine. So, uh, hence, you know, really appreciate your time this evening. Uh, Robin, I understand, are, are you, are you, were you recently appointed as, as a deputy? Is it deputy, or are you actually now the chief executive of, of the Luton uh, Borough Council, uh, Robin? So I was um, I was hugely humbled and uh, and honoured uh, to be appointed as the the council's chief executive nice. um, back in May. So I started at the beginning of May, um, and it really is it's a privilege for me to be able to serve the council and to be to be able to serve Luton and also Luton's people. Yeah. Um, and I'm I as I mentioned I'm hugely honoured to uh, to be able to fill this role. Um, and I'm looking t- um, with the team, uh, with the support of our amazing councillors, um, to be making a massive difference to Luton. You know, we've got a place that's got so much potential. There's mm. so much positive energy in Luton. We've got so many brilliant things going on. Yeah. Um, but it is really unfortunate that today 
too many of our young people are growing up in poverty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so as a whole organization, and this is, this is cross-party, so all of the, the political parties um, uh, are bought into uh, as having a primary objective, a single objective of ensuring that by 2040, nobody in Luton lives in poverty. Right. Fantastic. So sounds sounds good. Fantastic. <clears throat> so I mean, it's, it's obviously been a, a, a very few, a busy last few few months, as as you're saying, uh, Robin. I mean, a lot of major projects going on, aren't there, with regards to, you know, outside of Luton, uh, the, the the football stadium plus the the new, you know, big mall. Uh, I guess locally, there's a lot of, lot of uh, you know initiatives that are going on. You know, the, the airport expansion that's obviously still in in in, uh, in in discussions and consultations. So a lot, a lot of major kind of. Uh, projects that that are, that are going on probably keeping you very very busy at the moment as as, as you say <clears throat> yeah hugely busy and we've got so much mm. positivity so much brilliant things happening in Luton um so, so the council set out four years ago um to attract 1.5 billion pounds worth of investment into Luton um Frankly, it was a nonsense, nonsense target. We've got £1.3 billion of investment going oh. into the ground today. Right. Um, with a further £3.2 billion of investment planned. So a total of £4.5 billion, oh. um, which will massively contribute to, um, to Luton's economy and to, to, uh, to give us a much brighter future. Over the last couple of months, we've seen the... Um, the opening of the university's new STEM building, which is a fantastic addition to them. We've seen uh, the Luton Industrial Hospital um, get their £100 million um, funding for their new hot block uh, and move ever closer towards um, their target of getting a helipad as well, um, which I've got to say has had huge support across the community. Fantastic. Um, I was at uh, an event over the summer right. where... It was just inspiring to see mm. um, so many of our community groups coming together yeah. and putting on the table that evening £90,000 yeah. for, the, for the hospital yeah. and for yeah. the helipad. Hugely inspiring for yeah. me. So, so what, what, just out of interest, Robin, what, what, what is the latest update? Do, do you know what, what that is on, on the helipad uh, uh, you know, f- facility? Well, the... Um, the hospital team yeah. are still working really hard um, right. to, to close the gap. They've, mm. uh, they've still got a gap of about a million pounds. Right. Um, but they're doing you know, incredible work right. um, up mm. there at the hospital to, uh, to, to close that gap um, with huge support from, from across the community and, mm. and across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's in, you know, there's, there's a confidence it will happen. Yeah. Um, there's there's still some work to do to close that gap. All right. Okay. So I, I guess that the initiatives and, and the fundraising and all the or ev- ev- everything else around that continues. And I know Inspire T- FM team has also been quite heavily involved in in some of those initiatives. And as you say, it was involved in in that community fundraiser not too long ago. Uh, just conscious that we've got a couple of more minutes of, of your time. Uh, fantastic in terms of some of the uh, the project updates. Uh, a lot of the positive stuff that's happening locally. Great news to uh, a lot of the, our, our local. Uh, 
listeners. Uh, what's been some of the challenges uh, for for you, uh, Robin, over the last uh, a couple of months, and uh, perhaps not not gone quite as well as uh, you would have ought to li- ought to have uh, liked to, to have it gone. I think the challenge is that there's just there's so much for us to do, um, and uh, and I've got a really really overactive hurry up and crack on gene. Um, right, right. So so I wanted to be delivering at speed. Yeah. Um, I'm really thankful. I've got a fantastic team in the council. Um, it's a team that is challenged. Yeah. So so your listeners may or may not know that um, back in 2010 we used to get about 120 million pounds in government funding yeah. uh, unfortunately that's that's reduced to about 10 million pounds next year wow. um, so we're having to do a lot more with a lot less money and um, so money is a concern for us and um, but we've got some really positive stuff going on that I've not yet talked about so the the expansion of the airport that we're, yeah. we're currently consulting on I mean that's that's a massive massive possibility and potential for the for the town um by our estimates if we can deliver that expansion um and all of the the developments that we're looking at around the airport as well um, we'll create something in the order of 16,000 jobs for Luton, wow. um, and about two billion pounds worth of, of economic growth um, so i would absolutely um, beseech your listeners to be contributing to the consultation that's yep. ongoing until 16th of December. Yeah. Um, the um, email address for your listeners is futureluton at llal.org.uk. That's futureluton at llal. Dot org dot uk uh, and we're looking for for all contributions we're looking for um uh listeners thoughts on our proposals what we what they think we could do to make them better um and it's um it's a really really important uh, project yeah. for for the town it's a really important project for the future of the town and uh, and also for our people Fantastic. So, so the consultation is up until the sixteenth of December, and uh, w- w- when's the when's the decision uh, likely to be made on the the expansion of uh, of Luton Airport? Then, uh, Robin. Well, it's a it's a national planning process right. because it's such right. a big project. Right. I mean, okay. this is a it's a two point seven billion pound project wow. in terms. So, it's a huge project. Right. So, um, it won't be decided locally. It will okay. be decided by central right. government. Central. Uh, the timescale that we're looking at is we're looking to make the submission um, to government um, next summer, right. um, and then from there, uh, looking for a decision from government by the end of twenty twenty one. All right. Okay. Fantastic. And and just very quickly, last point: uh, funding. Of of course, is always a big concern, isn't it? And and, and some of the figures that you just quoted earlier were, were just incredible. And, and we've had a lot of councillors here in the studio over the course of the last few months, whether it's schooling, whether it's you know social services, and we're always you know citing the common denominator, which is funding, funding, funding. And, and the concerns not going away. We're talking about challenging poverty, but we've still got a lot of austerity measures in place. We've still got a a huge shortage of funding 
what, what, how, how is that going to impede or, or you know, you know, the challenging poverty, you know, initiative and, and uh, you know, agenda for, 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 for the council locally, uh, Robin? Um, it is a challenge. Um, mm. yeah, in addition to the £130 million we've had to take out of the budget over the, the last nine years, yeah. uh, we've got a further £25 million to find over the, the next three years. So it, so it is a challenge. Mm. Um, but with the airport growth, with a, a reimagined town centre, yeah. um, yeah. with an agenda to, for Luton to become a real living wage town, um, with a, a local wealth building approach, which we've already um, signed up to and are looking for partners to sign up to, um, we can make a massive difference in a short amount of time mm. uh, to, um, to the position. Um, we absolutely, we need the community, uh, we need individuals, we need businesses across the town to be, to be working with us. You know, it's absolutely vital that we become a real living wage town. It's absolutely vital that um, that we invest more heavily as businesses, as individuals, in upping skill levels. Because there are loads, hundreds, if not thousands, of really high-quality jobs mm. in Luton. And <clears throat> yeah. the biggest concern I hear from business, um, the biggest constraint on them growing in Luton today is the level of skills and sk- the number of skilled people that mm. uh, that's available. Right. If we can crack that nut, yeah. along with the other elements, um, I'm absolutely confident um, that we can achieve our shared goal of eradicating poverty in Luton. Right, thank you very much, Robin. I've got got plenty more questions to ask you, but unfortunately, I I do realise that you know our time is very limited, and I know and I know and I know you've got another commitment too that you need to rush off to. So on that note, I want to really thank you, and it's been a great privilege having you on uh, Friday Night Live this evening. And hopefully, sometime we can see you in in the warm studios in in uh, in Inspire FM, Luton FM, not too in, into long not too long distance. Hopefully. That would be great, and uh, um, it's been a, it's been a, a real privilege, as I said right at the start, for me to uh, to come and and to be able to talk uh, to you uh, and um, to your listeners. Thank you very much, Robin Porter, the Chief Executive of the Luton Borough Council, for joining us this evening. Thank you very much, Robin. All right, listeners, that was uh, Robin Porter, our Chief Executive of the Luton Borough Council. Uh, fantastic to join us this evening and to give us uh, an update in terms of what's not only been happening across the A1081 uh, and the Luton's Dart Bridge, uh, you know, which, as, as we were discussing, was a was a, a fantastic success story over the last weekend when that road was closed and the bl- bridge was moved into place. But also the, the the bigger agenda item, which is of course the connection between Luton Airport Parkway Station and the Luton Airport terminal itself that's fantastic and as i said there is plenty of uh stories online that you can actually read about what the plan is and what that train connection will be serving and how it will be serving uh and and the train that will be connecting the two points uh together so do i i do recommend for our listeners to just pop it into 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 youtube or onto google and just get an update in terms of what's happening locally in your town 
Right, so we are fast approaching the end of the first hour, uh, and uh, you know you are tuned in to Friday Night Live. Uh, it's with uh, me, Hafi Shaban, here in the studio. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio for you to speak to me directly. For those of you that want to speak to me indirectly via social media messages, uh, WhatsApp, SMS, uh, the number is 01582015824818822. Sorry, that is the number to speak to me directly. Social media messages is 0779 0779481822. 0779481822 is the number here in the studio for your social media messages. Right, we were discussing uh, the Luton Dart Bridge move. Uh, we we're getting an update from Robin Porter, Chief Executive of Luton Borough Council. I don't know if we've had Robin on the, on the on the radio before, but it will be fantastic if we can get him into the studio one evening. I know he's a very very busy uh, chap, but great to hear from the head of the Luton Borough Council in terms of what's happening locally. A lot of positive stories there, but a lot of challenges too in terms of addressing some of the shortfalls in in public funding for some of the key services that we need as a as a community so it's always good to hear from you what your particular concerns may be so that you know what we can speak to the representatives of you as a town and we can ask the the pertinent questions that are on your minds all right so we are going to be going into a commercial break very very soon when we come back i've got a couple of more stories that i want to be covering with you right so we're going to, we're going to get an um, important update or, or with regards to the uyghur muslims of the Xinjiang province in China, right? So we know that the Xinjiang, uh, the, the Xinjiang Muslims, the Uyghur Muslims, have been under a lot of, lot of, you know, draconian, you know, uh, measures, draconian, you know, uh, you know, policies, you know, you know, almost locked up into these, in, you know, these, these detention camps, right? And we've been covering that over the last couple of weeks as a lot of the papers have, been, have leaked information and, and you know, there's been documentaries on, on TV that have been, you know, you know, a lot of people have been very, very informative and again, you know, showing how the Uyghur Muslims of the Xinjiang province have been actually kept as almost like prisoners, citizens who have been kept as prisoners. We're going to be getting an update because the US, one of the US houses has passed a bill with regards to the treatment of Uyghurs, Muslims, the US House of Representatives has passed a bill to counter, right, uh, what it calls the arbitrary detention, torture and harassment of Uyghur Muslims in China. So we're going to be discussing that when we come back upon the hour. And then of course in the last half an hour we're going to be discussing a local youth initiative, a new local youth initiative. Very, very important for you, all of you who are tuned in, who have got youth in their homes youth development program for a lot of the, for, for, for our youth right for the age of 13 between the age of 13 and 17 this is a local initiative to really you know provide a platform provide an avenue provide an environment where our young muslim youth can come together okay and you know find like-minded you know youth muslim youth you know professional academic you know social you know recreational atmosphere for their personal development and get and, and, and development and, and their development program plan right so we're going to be discussing that in the next hour also and then i'm going to also try to cover a number of other stories there's been a lot of stories that have made the news this week right all the way from pakistan pakistan again in the headlines now i don't know if this particular story has caught your attention this week but pakistan apparently has halted an investigation 
into this is an incredible story into the sale of 629 brides to China because of financial ties to Beijing I mean it's a disgusting story it's incredible but it's the kind of story that you hear all too often right and that's human trafficking you what we're talking about is human trafficking human individuals being sold to people to to individuals in China right we're going to be you know this one of the new stories that has, that has caught my attention <coughs> trafficking investigations into hundreds of Pakistani women but we'll discuss that in the later uh, in, in the in the next hour of the show because we're going to go into a commercial break and there's a couple of other stories with, uh, you know I don't know if you followed the news with regards to the the new Cambridge Central Masjid that was opened up yesterday right by Erdogan Turkey Turkish president Erdogan's been in town and he was exp- he visited Cambridge yesterday on the official opening inauguration of the new Cambridge Central Mosque. Very, very impressive. Cost a whopping 23 million pounds. We'll discuss that after the commercial break too. We are going to be going into a commercial break when we come back. Couple of stories plus, plus some other news stories we'll be covering. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. 01582 481 8 2 0 7 9 Don't go away. We'll be back. Until then, as alaikum wa This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, on uh, this Friday, the 6th of December 2019. Uh, broadcast live on uh, Inspire FM, 105.1 FM from Luton. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. 0779481822 is the number for your SMS and your WhatsApp messages. We're also, of course, broadcasting live to our sister stations nationally in Sheffield, Link FM, in Peterborough, Salam, and of course in uh, Derby and other surrounding uh, cities. Uh, so do get in touch this evening. Let me have your thoughts with regards to some of the news stories that we've covered and or, or any other, other news story that may have caught your attention and you want to share a comment or a view on. You know, feel free to, to speak to me on that particular story or any other particular story. 01582 is the number in the studio. You know, we need to talk. We need to speak to one another. We need to let our listeners... You know, let our listeners share with our listeners our thoughts, our views. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a dialogue. Let's not just listen to me here speaking and airing my particular views. I want to. I want to hear your views, right? Oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two. Right. This is the second hour of the show. First hour of the show, we were discussing Pakistan. Uh, you know, uh, uh, tycoon, right? Uh, Riaz Malik Hussein uh, hands over $248 million to settle UK corruption probe. And then, of course, we were discussing with the chief executive of Luton Council, Robin Porter, with regards to some of the progress, plans, and, of course, the fantastic 
Dartbridge move over the last weekend. But we're going to be moving on to a, another story now. And we're going to be moving on to a story that we have covered over the last couple of weeks. And you know what? Alhamdulillah, we've been covering it for a number of months on, on Inspire FM on Friday Night Live. And I'm really, really glad that we have been covering this story because this story needs covering. And, and, and the positive thing is that, you know, we are seeing a lot more media attention on this particular story. A lot of our listeners, a lot of the UK's residents, they would have watched the documentary with regards to the Uyghur Muslims of uh, you know the Xinjiang province in China and how they've been treated by the Chinese authorities or you know or, you know the, the ridiculous the barbaric treatment of these of these you know Muslims Uyghur Muslims being treated in these so-called concentration camps which of course China initially denied cut long story short then later acknowledged them and now we've had you know the leak you know, the, the, a couple of weeks ago we were covering it with regards to some of the leaked documents that have come out there to you know giving the the graphic horrific detail with regards to what's been going on on the ground in uh, in uh, you know in Xinjiang province across China to the Uyghur Muslims. Anyway, today what we're covering is there's been some progress, right? So there's been some progress, uh, and you know China China sanctions seem to be in the horizon. Well, at least the U.S. House passes a bill of a treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. Now the U.S. House of Representatives, right, has passed a bill to counter what it calls the arbitrary detention, torture and harassment of Uyghur Muslims in China. Now a lot of my listeners, some of my listeners might be a bit skeptic when it comes to this particular news. Or the US House of Representatives passing a bill against China and the way China is treating its Uyghur Muslims. What about the other you know, nations around the world which America supports? And are also treating their Muslim minorities in an equally barbaric way. But we'll park that story for a different day. But tonight we're covering Uyghur Muslims of China and the US potentially, potentially, right, you know, discussing sanctions. We're still a bit, away, uh, a little bit away from sanctions, but at least the House of Representatives has passed a bill to counter what it calls the arbitrary detention, torture, and harassment of these Uyghur Muslims. Let's talk to someone who's a far more of an expert. We've had these lovely individuals before on Friday Night Live and they are keeping us, as always, abreast and, in pro- and, and up to date in terms of what's happening uh, on the st- on this story. Let's speak to Farkat Jodat, an, uh, an Uyghur uh, himself, an American activist and software engineer. His mother and other relatives were sent to China's internment camps in Xinjiang in 2018 and I I think we've also got Mehmet Doty a co-founder of World Uyghur Congress prominent Uyghur Canadian human rights activist so uh, welcome Asalaamu Alaikum and thank you very much Farkat and Mehmet for joining us this evening Thank you, fantastic. Thank you very much. Great to have both of you this time because I know last time we were speaking about the leaked documents that came out of, uh, uh, the, you know, uh, with regards to the Uyghur Muslims, we, we couldn't get through to, I think it was Mehmet and we were trying so many times, but great having you both on the call this evening. And and, and as I was just giving the introductions, um, both Farkat and Mehmet, right, we've been covering and it's fantastic that you gentlemen, you brothers have joined us on a number of occasions uh, and, and, you know, continue to join us, you know, so that we can keep our community informed with what with the latest progress on this particular story right so of course i was saying uh, u.s house passes a bill on the treatment of uyghur muslims tell us more about it Farkat. what's been happening 
Assalamu alaikum uh, to your brother and then Maslam. all the listeners. And then uh, it's really great that we can be here and then to speak for our people in Dachon. And especially at this moment that China is uh, spreading their propaganda in the whole world, calling the Uyghurs as a terrorist and then just labeling us as a like, terrorist extremists or separatists and then just uh, using it as a reason to locking up more than a couple million people. I will say more than three million people. Wow. That's the number mm. from the Pentagon a couple months ago mm. in the concentration camps and then raping our own sisters, uh, both inside and outside the camps, and then separating the kids from their own parents, locking mm. them up in the state-run orphan centers. So it's really good to be here and then uh, shining the light on what's happening. Yeah. So coming back to your question about the bill is, so the bill mostly covers the, the reporting part of what's happening. Because as you have said that the Chinese government denied existence of the camps until like uh, September, I think, uh, late last year. And then, then they changed their uh, topics to say that those are the vocational training camps. But a month ago, the New York Times released more than 400 pages of the Chinese government inside the internal secret documents, yeah. where they showed that in the in the Mandarin Chinese, they called them as concentration camps mm. themselves, yeah. and then how those places are run, how those places are managed, yeah. and then how the numbering, like the scoring system works, and how they are convincing yeah. or silencing the kids yeah. of the, who got their parents in those locked up in those places. Yeah. So those are not deniable hard facts and then it's really uh coming to play on the right time those, yeah. uh, the bill that it's uh right now sitting on the u.s uh senate yeah. so the bill uh it has a report on the how many people detained in those places and then the conditions and then this current situation in the region yeah. also it has the, the president trump to sanction and to come up with a list of chinese officials who are directly or indirectly involved in this, I will say, genocide. Yes. And then sanction them but by restricting their access to the U.S. and then freezing their assets. Yeah. And then uh, also the FBI will get also get involved in, I think, reporting and then collecting evidence about how the Chinese government is threatening the Uyghurs uh, inside the U.S., so, for example, it's just myself, like the Chinese police reached out to me a couple of times, used my mom as a hostage, and they directly contacted me on the social wow. media, wow. asked me to work for them or work with them in order to get my mom freed from the camp or wow. get some better treatment really? for her. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Right. Uh, Farqat, just, just hold on to that, right? So, uh, let me let me get, uh, bring in Mehmet also, right? Who's uh, another uh, prominent uh, Uyghur, you know, a Canadian human rights activist? Uh, Mehmet, is, am I right that you're actually joining us from Canada at the moment? Is that correct? Yes, sure, right, brother. Yes, okay, fantastic. So, so Mehmet, okay, of Farkat is obviously giving us an update uh, from from uh, from his perspective. Uh, what, what I am seeing now, okay, and and this is a, you know, it's a positive one where where uh, we're getting a lot more media attention now on this particular issue, right? Uh, and and of course, this, this is this being the latest now that this is being discussed. Uh, by the American, you know, uh, Senate and the House of Representatives, and, and you know, a potential here. What, 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 how, what, what do you make of this particular, you know, progress and this latest development, uh, Mehmet? 
first of all, uh, I would like to thank you for giving, this giving us this opportunity. And uh, this bill is very important because for the first time uh, by the United <clears throat> States uh, House of Representatives and the previous Senate, they approved uh, the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act. And this policy act has a number of provisions. One is uh, this uh, bill uh, uh, just directs the, the Director of National Intelligence to report directly to U.S. Congress once in every three months and about Chinese policy of cracking down Uyghurs in uh, the concentration camp. Also, this bill requires the deputy uh, assistant level in the State Department uh, to take charge of this issue to update the U.S. government and uh, develop further uh, policy options. Also, the bill uh, requires Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI, to report and to protect the Uyghur nationals uh, outside of uh, the China who are frequently uh, harassed by the Chinese government, as my brother said, by using a hostage of their family members back home. At the same time, the, this bill requires the United States Department of State uh, just to report on the scope of uh, the Chinese government's uh, brutal policy. also requires the President Donald Trump to impose sanctions under the Global Magnitsky Act. Right. And this bill, this is the first time that U.S. government directly targeted one of the, the Chinese Politburo member, highest level yeah. Chinese officials. Yeah. So this is very important. And yeah. also this bill gives a hope for the Uyghur people. And as of today and yesterday, Chinese government launched a black propaganda uh, the program uh, within the East Turkestan and the forcing people to speak and to come up with a strong uh, uh, statement uh, condemning the U.S. Uh, bill introduced in the uh, Congress. So uh, this bill is resonating not only within the Uyghur community, at the same time creating yeah. shockwave effect within the Chinese officials yeah. Yeah. who are responsible for this atrocity. All right, fantastic, Mehmet. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for that update. Looks like we've lost uh, Farkat, uh, but we'll see if we can get through to him uh, again. Uh, but <clears throat> whilst we're discussing that, of course, I mean, I was just reading into uh, the fact that America, uh, of course, did something similar with regards to Hong Kong. And we've seen the protests in Hong Kong. You know, Trump signed a, uh, into law a bill that supports the pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. And that's also been condemned from China. Um, I mean, we're getting we're, we're seeing a lot more uh, uh, coverage. Uh, I, I, I don't know, Mehmet, if, if you're aware of the fact that even the local broadcasting BBC Broadcasting, uh, you know, uh, you know, channel here in the UK covered a documentary highlighting the plight of the Uyghur Muslims, and you know, giving a they were given a you know a guided tour of these internment internment camps by China, right, for the first time, right, and of course China has been denying it. So it's all good that there is a lot of awareness that has been raised do you, do you think the sufficient amount of pressure now is getting you know china is beginning to feel that pressure now do, do, are you getting that sense of of feeling uh, you know that it's beginning to 
take note of the pressure that is being built up in, uh, across Europe, you know, by, from, uh, for, you know, and in America by, you know, you know, the Uyghur community who are, you know, globally around the world and also a lot of the other communities, you know, like ourselves that are aware of the plight of the Uyghur Muslims are, and are raising that, that uh, raising their profile. Yeah, uh, you are right. Uh, the pressure is building, uh, momentum is building. Uh, this bill will trigger further reactions from the, the global community, just like uh, Western uh, countries in Europe and in North yeah. America and elsewhere. Mm. And also uh, a number of uh, senators and the representatives in the U.S. Congress they uh, state that uh, they are going to work with uh, other Western uh, countries mm. and uh, uh, push them to come up uh, with a similar policy line just to unite the effort uh, to against Chinese crackdown of the Uyghur Muslims. Mm. So uh, I hope that uh, in the down the road we will see more actions taken by the Western governments, mm. not only verbally condemn the Chinese government at the same time, taking this bill for further policy actions against Chinese government with the targeted sanctions, just like triggering or uh, invoking global Magnitsky Act, or sanctioning uh, individuals and the entities and the high-tech Chinese companies who are resp directly responsible for this uh, century's largest incarceration of millions of Muslims. So uh, I hope that we are going to see more actions be taken like this by the Western governments. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, totally agree, Mohammed. Farkat, I mean, are you, are you seeing this as a small step in the right direction? I mean, of course, we're still a slightly, we're, st we're still a bit, a bit uh, uh, we're, we're still at some distance before, you know, we, we come to an enforceable, uh, you know, sanctions. And then even then, I wonder if we're going to, if it goes through the United Nations route, whether America is going to be able to enforce that. Because, of course, China is a member of the Security Council and it just vetoes anything that's actually brought into uh, the Security Council through its power. But a small step in the right direction, I guess you will say, Farkat. Uh, it is, it is. And then it is the lead and then like a really great example for other yeah. countries, especially the Western ones. But yeah. not only the Western countries, actually, but the, the most outspoken ones should be the Islamic countries. Mm. Because... If anything happens in Palestine or like any Islamic countries, like a Quran is burned by like maybe Christian or non-Muslim, yes, yes. it will get lots of attention from the Islamic world. Yeah. But from the Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan to like all the, the Islamic world leaders, they urge to come out and then say that they are like they are against all of them. But mm. now the Quran is being burned yes. and then being rewritten. Yes. Sort of in like if. And then the mosques are demolished, like more yes. than a couple thousand mosques, and some of them are yeah. more than 800 like, years old. And then yeah. the, the people in the camps, they are being forced to eat pork or drink mm. alcohol. And yeah. then our Uyghur Muslim sisters and then the ladies, they are being forced to sleep with the Han Chinese. And then yeah. there is also the forced marriage. Yes. Yes. So it should, it should have came from the Islamic countries first. Yeah. As it's the direct impact or direct discrimination or like it's on the name of Islam. But yeah. but I'll act, at least at least that I'm glad as an Uyghur myself that especially like in my country, the US are leading our way on it. So mm. yes, it is it is the right step, it is the yeah. right direction mm. and then mm. it's a really great example. But yeah. I really hope the, the 
the UK government and the European countries, and then especially the Turkey, like Saudi Arabia or yes, Qatar, yes. all those countries wake up yeah. faster yes. and then say it should it should stop. Yes, yes. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember back in in, uh, in July of the, of this year, uh, when in fact Erdogan actually visited China, if I I, I believe right, it, uh, you know, went to China, and a lot of these Muslim leaders are visiting China, and of course they've got the commercial and economic and financial interests in China, uh, and and they you know and they remain silent over over the Uyghur Muslims, but of course, as you say. That they, you know, they should be the the pioneers and the leaders in raising this, you know, agenda. And it seems now, right, that normally when America does something or Britain does something, then they kind of follow suit, right? They kind of follow suit, right? That America's doing it exactly. now, we'll exactly. do something too, right? Uh, and 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 until exactly. it's almost like until America doesn't do something or doesn't allow them to do something, they don't do something too, right? So so now that we're seeing some steps from by America, are you optimistic, Mehmet, that we may see something from the, these Muslim countries, these Muslim leaders, especially the leaders like Pakistan and some of these others? And let me also ask you another question. Are you doing any, are you engaged in any political lobbying of the Muslim countries and the Muslim rulers, especially people like Pakistan who borders China and has so much economic activity with China and people like Turkey who talk a great deal about Islam and, and Islamic values and principles, but really are not being able to translate that interaction when it comes to standing up for these Uyghur Muslims? Uh, actually, uh, we we are trying to reach them every yeah. step of the way, uh, not only uh, secretly or in a public gathering or yeah. the, uh, reaching to their representative, representatives at the United Nations and others. Mm. The problem is they are so scared and they are not even uh, giving us the opportunity just to brief them. Really? They request uh, the appointment. Yes. They're just... Uh, uh, keep themselves uh, millions miles away from us, just like we are ghosts. Wow! So it is really uh, unfortunate situation. That's incredible. That's incredible, uh, Mehmet. So general public. Yeah. Uh, among the general public, there are more awareness. And the recent, just yesterday, there was a report in major Western media, even including uh, Pakistani media, more than 630 Pakistani girls. The sold to China. Yes. And they, 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 they have been used as a sex slave in the forest for prostitution. Yes. And this kind of uh, uh, atrocities now spilled over a border and effect on the daily life of the Muslims. And yes. uh, this is not <clears throat> unique for Pakistan. And many uh, Muslim countries also, this kind of atrocities uh, happen every day. But the problem is because of the restriction of the media in those countries, and many general public are unable to get the right information. And uh, also Chinese so-called Belt and Road Initiative, uh, they, are, they, are, they are expecting to get some kind of uh, uh, share from this uh, promised investment. And uh, in fact, many countries ended up in losing side of this so-called investment. So it takes some time, but we are uh, really working hard to give them a right information and the down the road i hope that they will be waken up one day and realize that uh, whatever happens today for the Uyghurs will be there uh, tomorrow or will be there uh, the bad dream in coming years so it is our responsibility just to warn them
And yes. it is our responsibility to tell them that uh, what they perceived in their mind about China is totally wrong. And many Western countries now saying that we have been so naive over a decade. Yeah. And the Muslim world should also realize that uh, the Chinese policy based on deception, not the truth. They are lying each and every time and cheating the governments. And I really hope that Muslim world would not uh, end up in losing side in future. Fantastic. Thank, thank you very much for, for that update, uh, both by uh, Brother Farkat and Brother Mehmet. Thank you very much for joining us once again Friday Night Live. And, and as I said, we will, we will be speaking to you on a regular basis uh, so that you can keep our listeners abreast of the latest update on the Uyghur Muslims and the case of the Uyghur Muslims, we've we've seen this first step in the in the right direction, uh, calling for uh, you know calling for a bill, potentially calling for sanctions against China. But the pressure is definitely being applied on China. There's a lot more awareness. There's documentaries that are taking you know happening. People are watching them, and the public opinion against China is definitely being built up. But as you said. It is the the Muslim governments and the Muslim leadership around the world that also needs to feel some of that pressure so that they can raise the plight of these Uyghur Muslims with China and ensure that something gets done about it. Thank you very much, Farkat and Mehmet, for joining us this evening on Friday Night Live. And inshallah, we'll hopefully speak to you again shortly. Uh, and hopefully we, we, can, we can cover some positive news uh, with regards to the Uyghur Muslims. Thank you very much, Farkat and Mehmet. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Right, listeners, that was uh, Brother Farkat and Brother uh, Mehmet who were joining us from Canada and joining us from America uh, directly and giving us the update on the on the Uyghur Muslims in uh, the Xinjiang province in China. And that's, uh, you know, it's an incredible, incredible, heartbreaking, heartbreaking development and story with regards to Xinjiang and what is happening with the Muslims there. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you know, some of the policies, I mean, if I tell you some of these policies, it is just incredible. I mean, listen to this. Listen to this, right? Some of the policies allegedly carried out by China against Muslims in Xinjiang includes the use of QR codes outside the homes to gather information on how frequently individuals are praying Allahu Akbar incredible stuff incredible stuff all of us are familiar with the QR codes right when we you know you know scanning uh, you know barcode and and then we just t- take that on our phones and we're so accustomed to you know you know scanning our you know the 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 barcode for our whatsapp and then you know displaying it on our laptops or or scanning barcodes and, and you know if you know for our daily shopping or for scanning our you know shopping etc etc the Chinese authorities are using these QR codes and scanning outside people's homes to see how many times they go to the masjid to pray Allahu Akbar. Do you understand the implication of that? That is absolutely incredible. And here we are where we have the open opportunity to go and pray. We don't even pray. Think about that for a moment. 
Right, you are with me, Hafiz Shaban. We're coming to the last half an hour of the show this evening on the Friday, 6th of December. We're going to be going into commercial break in the 15 seconds and counting. When we come back, we're going to be discussing a youth development program initiative, a new youth development program initiative that you cannot miss if you've got Muslim youth. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes when we'll be speaking about that. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, on the Friday, the 6th of December evening. Uh, it is now just past uh, 7.30 p.m. So we're into a, a, the, the last half an hour of Friday Night Live this evening, inshallah ta'ala. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a, an interesting evening where we've been covering a number of stories. Uh, last half an hour, we were just discussing and getting an update from America and, and Canada from some of the, the expat Uyghur Muslims based out in America and in Canada and a lot of political you know uh, lobbying going on and the political awareness going on uh, with regards to the plight of the Uyghur Muslims and it's very 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 heart-wrenching and heartbreaking in terms of what's been happening in the Xinjiang province and, I, and as, as I said I'm sure majority of our listeners a lot of our listeners would have actually watched that BBC documentary uh, and an insight into uh, the internment camps in the Xinjiang province uh, and the plight of the the Uyghur Muslims. Uh, so there is, uh, it looks like there is some pressure that's you know been uh, that's building up on the Chinese authorities, and a step in the right direction with regards to American legislation to potentially right table some sanctions against China. But whether that happens or not is a, is a different. Of course, you know, a totally different game, or totally. But let, let, let's see what what happens, right? So we've got the last half an hour. We're going to be discussing a couple of news stories uh, in this uh, last half an hour. But we're also going to be discussing uh, a local initiative. Now, there's a bit of a self, uh, you know, what is it? Conflict of interest here. Uh, so I'm, I'm boring uh, uh, Amir Bai to come in and and, uh, and discuss this with me, inshallah. But there's a. Um, a youth development program, right? A very important initiative that's going to be kicking off this weekend, this Sunday, inshallah. Ta'ala. And as you can, as you can probably gather from the the term itself, youth development program. Of course, it's a it's a program that is geared towards our youth, right? Uh, and whenever you mention youth, and whenever you mention uh, you know discussing youth, and it's always going to be an, an, an intrinsically a very important subject matter because the youth, of course, are our future generation right uh, so the any development program that which is you know orientated towards our youth right in terms of helping them navigate through the challenges to the society you know reconciling it with their identity and really overall providing a positive framework positive environment for them you know, taking them away from the streets and, and you know, criminality and all, all of that kind of stuff and, and encouraging them to contribute positively to their community, to their peers, to their society, to the, you know, to their 
to to the people around them is always going to be you know welcomed and of course there's been a you know this particular initiative has has, has a lot of positive feedback we've had from from the community a lot of people have been asking questions a lot of people having uh, similar ideas and thoughts and, and in in their minds for a long time with regards to similar initiatives for the youth and and you know other people reaching out who are already doing and engaging in similar youth development programs and in initiatives inshallah so i've got brother amir in in the studio with me salaam brother amir wa alaikum assalam good, good, thank good. you for having me <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely man uh, so I'm, amir bhai is, is like i said i like to table uh, you know ta- table you know the producer for for friday mashallah producer director but anyway so we're going to be uh, we're going to be in conversation uh, with regards to the youth development program so the idea is that our listeners get a, a, a you know an, an, a better understanding w- what is this you know youth development program you know it's been coined as the ydp all about when is it kicking off when is it happening what's going to be happening etc etc but i mean you're going to be posing those questions uh, to I me will, right yes yeah no um actually again uh, assalamu alaikum to all our listeners uh, thank you for joining us on here on uh, friday night live on inspire fm <clears throat> it's glad to i'm glad that you've joined us and you're here with us um so again thank you to uh, havisha banbai uh, for the efforts that you've put in um one of the first things um that comes to mind when i look at this uh, program is it's motivation Mm. I mean what 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 was your initial what you th- what 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 kind of happened what clicked in you say you know what we yeah. need something like this mm. because it is a need and, and I'm sure you'll agree with me there's a lot mm. of a lot of um stuff that is happening within our communities mm. which unfortunately hasn't been addressed very well whether it's yeah. from our from our side whether it's from our uh, community leaders whether it's mm. from our masajids mm. and also from our local authority I think I yeah. think there's some being failures on on different levels mm. and it's just interesting that that you've you've decided to do this type of project so what what, mm. what kind of what was it the, what was that yeah. the final straw that you know what we we need to get and do something yeah yeah good question i mean you know first and foremost it's the fact that as a parent right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think i think that's when it, you know you know dawns upon a lot of us right <laughs> when we ourselves go through a particular experience so you know if if we become parents then we we experience what it means to be a parent yeah, when, yeah. When, you know and you know when, when we have a particular issue or a particular crisis when it happens to us then we realize oh, you know what i should have done this long time ago uh, and, I, and as a parent many many years ago Uh, you know I, i'm trying to culture my own children with islam you know course, islamic yeah. studies teach them arabic teach them quran teach them x y and z and and the thought occurred to me if i if i'm trying to do that with my own children why do i actually create a platform where you know i can invite other people and and their children and then you know use the same hour or two hours and instead of just teaching my own children am i also actually chil- teaching other people's children right oh, okay uh, so that gave you know back about four years ago Right, so we then started uh, something called the Tarbiya program. Okay, right, and this is locally. locally. This is yeah. local. Okay, mashallah. We started the Tarbiya program, uh, and that was uh, for for younger kids, uh, aged about nine, ten, uh, to to up to about the the ages of of twelve, right? And of course, my children fit fit well into that category because they were aged, uh, you know, between those uh, between in, within that category. And then we we ran that for a number of years, mashallah, Tarbiya program where we would give them. uh you know culturing islamic culture uh, but very different so it's not an environment masjid environment setup it's not a molana teaching you and lecturing uh, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. it's more interactive it's more fun uh, yeah, there's a social element to it there's, there's tasks okay. you know yeah, yeah. 
and, and that was the idea. And mashallah, we, we did that for three, four years. It was a very, very positive success. Okay. Uh, but then what happened is our kids got older and they started finding Tarbiya a bit boring. Uh, and, and we thought the, now the, the age old problem, right? Right, age old problem. <laughs> so now that our kids are getting older, now they're becoming 13, 14, and now mashallah, my son's become 16, right? 15, wow. 16. We need mashallah. to have a program that actually appeals to them uh, and hence the youth development program. Oh, okay, mashallah. Now, what was interesting because you've, you've uh, um, looking at the, the development program itself, you've got mm. seem to have um, developed a, a, like a well-established vision you got some mm. aims and objectives there yeah tell us a little bit about those well tell us yeah. a bit about the vision for the for yeah. the program yeah. and then when uh, and then if you can just give us a little brief overview of some of the aims and objectives of the yeah i know you've touched upon it yeah i thought maybe mm. in particular because obviously it sounds like a youth development program mm. haven't we heard it all before yeah. so yeah, yeah. you know what, what sets this apart yeah so so fir- first firstly let me say is, uh, that, that there's a lot of good stuff that happens in our community but mashallah, our community is massive. It's not a small community. I mean, it's like massages. There's so many massages. There's so many initiatives that are happening. And that's because our, our community is, is a huge community. And every one of those initiatives is contributing positively in one way or, or, or another. And mashallah, you know, may Allah re, you know, reward the brothers and sisters out there doing a great amount of hard work. And, and it, it needs to continue, right? Yeah. And there's, yeah, it's, it's not the fact that there's, uh, there, there, there's uh, too much of it. There's always a shortage of, of, of the amount of good work that, that's going on and, and needs to happen. So that, that's the first thing that I want to say, right? In, in addition to that, right, uh, when, when I looked at this particular... Uh, need for my own children, right? My children are growing up, they're 14, 15, 16, they're finding the tarbiyah a bit boring and, and of course there's a disconnect now because they've grown older uh, so now they're, they're, you know, they're teenagers, but they're not fully fledged teenagers, uh, teenagers at the moment. So, so what is the right type of program that we need to now come up with that's going to be appealing to because yeah. part of the thing is, um, yeah, part of the things that from that age is, mm. as they grow grow older, as as you've mentioned, they've yeah. grown outgrown out of this tarbiyah. Yeah. Well, I see. We say grow. What they've done yeah. is created new connections. Yeah. And those connections may not be the most uh, most yeah. healthy of connections. Yeah. And what I mean, <laughs> what I'm gonna. What I mean by saying that is we think about social media, we talk about, um, you know, uh, friends now, we've got newer friends because we moved to different schools and what influence they're having. And then we see what's going on in our communities and societies. Mm. We may have just watching a couple of YouTube videos, oh, we we like this guy and we like Mm. to listen to what he says. And so these new connections are, there's new connections being made on these these levels. Yeah. and and, I'm, and one of the things I'm, I'm hoping you would say is mm. that this youth development program helps these young people mm. reconnect. Yeah. Right? yeah. Reconnect not only with yourselves as yeah. as us yeah. as as elders within our, we are now elders within our mm. community mm. with our parents mm. but with our religion as well. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean it's a key term that you used was reconnect, right? And for me I would say yeah, in some instances it's going to be a reconnection. Uh, and in other instances, it's going to be a continuation of that connection. That that's uh, the key yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know, tarbiya and and development program <coughs> is not about a development program when a child turns sixteen. It's about you know we've been doing the development and the tarbiya ever since they were one, two, three, four, and it's a continuous program, right? Uh, so now it's about how do we continue to maintain that link, right? As our youngsters are. Turning to those, you know, 14, 15 and 16 years of, you know, age, age category, right? When it becomes a lot more challenging, 
How does that deen still appeal to them? How does Islam still appeal to them? What does Islam now mean to them when they're a 16, 17-year-old or a 15-year-old in that society where the challenges are constantly changing, environments are changing, friends are changing, and, and you know, the different scenarios are, are coming to them, right? So how do we, you know, how does Islam play a, a, play a part in that, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's about maintaining, you know, it's about connecting that, connecting all of those dots together. Yeah. But the key thing is connecting it in a way that's appealing. Right. right. Yes. That, that's yes. appealing to them. That, that's that's the point for the, here, right? Because the key, because the key thing yeah. that I'm I'm having is, yeah. um, or the key issue that uh, I wanted to touch upon was attention deficit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So many things yeah. within our not just our not just our youth but ourselves as well mm. that are taking our attention. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so therefore, this program <coughs> needs to be able to grab their attention. Yeah, and so that's really interesting to see. So if you can just you know touch upon how, how, what, what kind of things that you've uh, yeah. ideas now you have in place that you hopefully yeah. that will bring those uh, our youth will then detach from those attention and give this attention and say yeah, yeah. you know what I'm really enjoying this I'm gonna be mm. well, I wanted to be part of this process yeah yeah so uh, absolutely so so as as I was saying I mean the key thing is 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 appealing to the youth attracting the youth right and doing it in in a way styles and means that you know what they're going to enjoy enjoy the you know you know almost we don't want to necessarily you know sell it uh, you know sell it with the, with the with the slogan that you know it's a, it's a learning uh, process right even though it's a learning process of course but, but is, that's yeah, not yeah. our usp almost no, right <laughs> we, we want them to enjoy it yeah. we want them to have a you know a, a positive and a creative atmosphere social atmosphere right uh part and parcel through which they then actually they're developing almost subconsciously if not if not consciously right uh and then you know it, it, and, and the way we actually planning and doing that is through tasks and and through activity so for example our launch activity which is this sunday right it's going to be around you know it's going to be a very social uh, social event food you know we've actually you know uh booked out the 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 well-known you know luton pool center (laughs) in very park right (laughs) for a couple of hours and we've organized you know the launch event around uh, around uh, you know you know you know that social you know social setting yeah yeah where there's pool there's table tennis so a a relaxed atmosphere playstation right competition between you know these groups right but it's going to be a team structure so we've got marshall 20 youngsters that have signed up it's going to be a they're going to be grouped up into into teams right yeah. so there's a, a long term team affinity yeah. right and the idea of that team is that the, the, you're part and parcel of that team yeah. you're responsible for that team okay. it's an identity it's an identity right and that team continues in all the different tasks that you'll be doing week to week yeah right okay. so there's so a little I'm bit of competition a, there as well i'm giving a bit of a bit, bit too much away here but <laughs> for example then up in the upcoming weeks there's going to be a bit of a treasure hunt oh wow right there's going to wow, be sounds fascinating. there's going to be something like the can you have an adult development program now <laughs> <laughs> exactly. there, there's going to be a bit of an apprentice kind of activities oh, wow. right okay. out, out in very fascinating. Part. Sure yeah, there's going to be indoor activities plus I'm outdoor sure. activities now through these activities you can already you know sense that it's not all about Islamic learning necessarily, no. but it's also about developing your uh, personality. 
Yeah. It's also no, about no, building confidence yeah, as an yeah. individual. It's also about communication skills. It's also yeah. being able to do presentation, right? Yeah. But all of these principles, it's about organization, it's about teamwork. teamwork. Yeah. It's about teamwork, teamwork, right? Yeah. So a lot of these soft skills, yeah. right, which are very, very valuable. And that's why when we talk about youth development program, we, we didn't deliberately use the word Islamic youth development program because people okay. would just yeah, kind yeah. of box it into, yeah. oh, it's about learning how to So because the first thing impression you're going to do, you're going you're to go to a masjid and sit on the floor right, exactly. for about an hour listening to, to Lecture, 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 right. Yeah, so yeah. this is not it, right? Yeah, yeah, so no. it's a lot about soft soft skills that we need to develop. It's about also then, yeah, yeah. In addition to those soft skills, and also developing, yeah, you know, your identity and recognizing your identity. Uh, and how do you then reconcile that with a, a changing environment, environment yeah. and yeah. a society yeah. which oh, is constantly sure. throwing challenges at you? I'm so sure. it's about navigating, helping you navigate through that journey too. So you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things that yeah. I wanted to. I was hoping to touch upon is mm-hmm. you mentioned that your your first event is starting on on Sunday. Yeah. So that Sunday the eighth is that right? Eighth of December. Am I got that correct? Uh, Saturday, uh, yeah, so, Sun, sorry, Sunday, so, sorry, Sunday, Sunday, 8th of December, December. right? Okay. From 3 p.m. to, to 5 p.m. Okay, so the other thing was you mentioned there's already 20 people signed up, uh, yeah. 20 uh, children, uh, young people yeah. signed up. Is, yeah. is there an opportunity for more? Yeah, yeah, there, there is. So we've got a pr- approximately in the range of about 20, uh, right? So it, there, there is still an opportunity to sign up to register. Uh, and then anyone who want, who wants to register can register uh, by just getting in contact with myself or, or brother Shaheen. We've got okay. Shaheen by two also, who's also uh, one of the, yeah, the, the co-founders. Who, yeah, okay, yeah. And then he, he, so you said 20. So are you currently at uh, the, the, the first session? Is that fully booked? Is that... No, no, I mean, we've still got capacity. Okay. Uh, we've still got so, capacity, uh, so you, how many were you uh, hoping to... Well, our, our initial kind of launch target was around that 30 mark. 30 mark, okay. Right, 30 so even mark. though you got 30, you can, well, you can still register, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, can, you, can, you can still register. And I would, I would strongly recommend <laughs> a lot of the parents listening in today, uh, at least lo- locally from a Luton perspective, to uh, get in touch if, they, if they're interested in in getting their boys, right? It's, 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 a, it's a, a program for, for boys at the moment. Okay. I know there's an interest to, to, to widen the, the initiative, but and we are trying to speak with... Uh, a, lot, a lot of other organizations that are already doing something similar, right? Okay, so or you're hoping to have uh, something for the sisters, for the young e- girls, e- ladies e- e- as well. Exactly, and also okay, sure. cross-collaboration. We're, we're, we're in conversation with a lot of different you know, members of our community. Uh, uh, to, uh, the whole idea is we're not interested in reinventing the wheel. No. We're interested in cl- cross-collaboration, yeah. working with other organizations so that... That's good. You know, like, yeah. like you, yeah. The earlier point you mentioned is about vision. What, what is mm. the vision? The, the idea ultimately is, is look how many youth that we have in our community. Rather than being in the, in the headlines and in the news for, for wrong reasons, Right, it's about gearing these Muslim youth it positively, right, so that they're a success story for themselves, whether it's academic, whether it's professional, whether it's uh, from an Islamic perspective, identity, from, from the perspective of morals, and then also inputting back into the community, and then also be, being a, you know a reference point for for their peers, you like you know like minded or yeah, similar age group, you know, in in, in individuals, right, you know, helping one, sure. one another, and 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 one of the reasons why we've come up with this team strategies then you're part, not only part of that team but then you know we want to have get them to have that affinity with that team yeah right yeah. ownership yeah uh, this is our team yeah. and you're responsible for one another one another yeah academically uh, what's well, also quite socially a, yeah whatever. what i also like is it's it's not just teamwork yeah. uh, building teams but also being competitive with another team yeah 
and doing that having a healthy competition with another yeah. team yeah. i think that's quite a, a good opportunity yeah. as well i think yeah. i can see that that you being you know this is team a team b team a yeah. will grow up and yeah. go through the program yeah. team b will likewise do the same but they're competing with each other sure. and but in a healthy way as well mm-hmm. finding ways to compete with each other you know. absolutely absolutely i mean that, that's just that's what it's all about competing yeah. In goodness. goodness yeah, yeah. Just to finish yeah. off, just to, if you could just recap for us again. So yep. it's the Youth Development Programme, starting yep. on it's Sunday, a, the 8th of December. Yep. Uh, from between f- f- 3 <coughs> and 5, is that correct? Yes, yeah, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. inshallah. So this this Sunday is is our launch event, Youth Development Programme. This Sunday, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, you will need to register to get further information, further oh, okay. details, right? But can, can, uh, can parents maybe turn up just to see... What's going on? Or yep. maybe talk to yourselves and Brother Shaheen as well? Yeah, they, they can do. They can turn up. If you want to turn up on, on, on the day, then you want to turn up to the uh, Luton uh, Berry Park Pool Centre. Yeah, uh, yeah. 3 p.m. inshallah, ta'ala, sharp sure. inshallah. Uh, and you will find myself and Brother Shaheen, who's the other co-founder and uh, lead on this initiative there, inshallah. Ta'ala, and you can register your child. Uh, and this is open to all boys. Uh, from the ages of 12, 13 till about 16, 17. Yeah, I was going to be around those. And uh, there was one final question, if I can think of it. If contact details. Yeah. Okay, do you mind if you can get your contact details? Yeah, so you can have my uh, mobile number, uh, but also you can contact the radio station and you can get the, my number through the radio station yeah, too, inshallah, just in case you miss it. But my number is 0759647715. So that's 0759 476715 Excellent Thank you very much Okay brother Amir All right So that was uh, me actually being turned into uh, you know an, uh, a guest to to speak about the the youth development program with brother Amir inshallah ta'ala jazakallah for that uh, and if anyone's got any further questions like I said earlier you can actually speak to anyone in the studio inshallah ta'ala, and through them you can get my uh, mobile number and of course you'll get we, we, I will be able to give you further information about this particular program inshallah uh, we've got about five minutes remaining of the show inshallah I want to cover a couple of other news stories that have made headlines this week and have caught my attention right uh, as I said earlier if there's a news item that covers your attention uh, that covers uh, that gets your attention and you want you want to you want to call it out you want to make a comment you want to make you've got a thought about it you've got an opinion about it then you know feel free to to reach out to us 01582 and i'll be more than happy to actually get it covered on friday night live but you know one of one of the guests i was speaking to earlier one on on, on the uyghur uh, muslims uh of, of china story raised this particular story too and and this is a it was actually covered by a lot of the western media too the telegraph covered this uh, so it's not a story that i'm making up uh, pakistan it actually halted an investigation into the sale of 629 brides to china that's incredible isn't it and this is again it's not i know a lot of us will be familiar with this kind of story uh, and this is with regards to trafficking uh, of uh, Pakistani women, Pakistani girls that are being sold as brides to Chinese men, right? Right, so there's been this story and there's been an investigation into it, but now, incredibly, the Pakistani government has, pre- well, has pressurized investigators and witnesses to halt cases which could apparently allegedly damage relations with China. Isn't that incredible? 
incredible incredible story if that's something that you uh, that has caught your attention you know you should you should we should be raising that with the pakistani politicians with the pakistani authorities to say why on earth would you do that these are pakistani women that have been trafficked to china to the chinese right okay and then pakistani government is pressurizing investigates to halt to halt its investigation that's absolutely incredible and absolutely unacceptable right another story that uh, was brought to my attention is with regards to the cambridge masjid, masjid right so this is a, a quite a, a, an, a, an incredible masjid that's been uh, oh that's been opened up a turkish president erdogan uh, attended the cambridge central masjid opening right this was yesterday i believe uh, and uh, expected to open or uh, in fact did open uh, and was uh, at the official inauguration of the new Cambridge Central Mosque definitely definitely worth a look on uh, on, on on the internet uh, and of course the uh, president Erdogan was in the UK this week for the NATO summit in London this is a masjid that's been opened up in Cambridge all right uh, the mosque was funded by more than 10,000 private and public and local and international donations by uh, the government of uh, Turkey uh, and the Qatar National Fund were big in uh, you know funders of this particular masjid it apparently cost almost 23 million 23 million but it has stunning views at the at the price tag of 23 million uh, and and it looks very very impressive it's supposed to be very very eco-friendly uh, and it's supposed to be uh, you know latest technology latest architecture you know bearing into mind you know a lot of those considerations uh, for the environment etc etc so that is something also that's been uh, in the news uh, quite a lot apparently it will have a prayer capacity for a thousand uh, worshippers uh, and boast an underground car park that will provide space for almost a hundred a hundred almost a hundred vehicles and 300 300 bicycles right uh, wow fantastic amazing uh, dr winters who lectures in islamic studies at cambridge university said the capacity here is to strictly 1000 and that is no way it can be extended so they want to keep it uh, intact and they want to keep it you know you know something which is uh, doable for the local bearing in mind the, the local consideration and the local environment you know uh, constrictions that we that you would expect anyway that's about it those are some of the new stories that i wanted to cover this evening inshallah thought that you have been with me this evening uh, on friday night live uh half a shaban uh, every friday from 6 p.m to 8 p.m i want to hear from you our listeners try to you know get in contact try to you know get pen to paper or get your fingers to the keyboards and type up that sms type up those whatsapp messages and get them through to us here in studio in, in fact very very quickly before i go adil rotor jazakallah hai. alhamdulillah i've been to cambridge masjid and he's just sent in a video through to us just before we're about to close fantastic so adil do you recommend other to others to pop into cambridge i mean cambridge is lovely to visit and see anyway how about the masjid is it i wonder if it's just open like any of the masjid and you can go there you can pray and get a bit of a tour it definitely does look fantastic it looks beautiful at a price tag of of course 23 million uh, and he says yes please please take your family jazakallah brother adil on that note that is me uh, and that is the end of friday night live for this week until next week assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspireFM Luton.